Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. And today it's all about the dogs and service animals that help us get along in life. Especially if you're handicapped, you'll know and you'll understand that a dog may be your connection with society. It may be the dog that uh, helps you, I don't know, get dressed, go to work, that uh, tells you when you're going to have an epileptic seizure or that helps you around if you're blind. Uh, Today we're going to talk to a couple of people that have a lot of experience with service dogs. One of them, actually a couple of them, Jessica Kensky and Patrick Downs. They're married, is that correct? Yes, they are. Uh, Jessica, unfortunately, became a double amputee after the Boston Marathon bombing. And her husband also became an amputee. They now have a service dog that has helped them just get along in life now. And they're going to tell us their story. Also, Stephen Cusita will be joining us. He's blind. He's been blind since birth. And in the 1950s, his mother didn't want him to uh, didn't want him to act blind because she felt that he would not make it in society. He wouldn't be accepted, so he wasn't supposed to let anybody know he couldn't see. So for 30 some odd years, he went through this facade <laughs> until he met Corky, who became his service animal, and he'll tell us his story today. So that's all on the way. We're talking therapy animals. Uh, it's been in the news recently, especially with all the airline headlines. Yeah, it's headlines. been in the news a lot. Yes. A lot. And not in a good way. All the airlines are making new policies about this. So, Well, they have to because people are bringing on fake service they're animals. They're just saying yeah. they're service dogs and they're really just yeah. uh, transporting their animals one place to another. And you can tell the ones that aren't service dogs. <laughs> service dogs are yes. very well behaved or they should be well so, behaved. Well, you know what we're going to talk about in the news coming up? What? If you think that you want to have a therapy dog or a service dog, what you as the dog handler and what your your dog will have to do, because there are now businesses that are popping up everywhere that because people are needing licenses to take these dogs places and to really legitimize them in many ways. But there are so many things that you have to do. I'm afraid that there are so many pets these days who claim to be therapy pets or service pets that that would never ever 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 cut it okay so you're going to tell us what it takes to be a service dog coming up in just a few minutes right here on animal radio let's go to the phones first hey david what's up hey man who's this this is animal radio i got dr debbie right here to my left judy's over there i'm sitting here in a nice uh tweed shirt and uh, we're all just (laughs) waiting for you buddy (laughs) okay Here's the scenario. I board my horses down on a country road at some stables. Now, the woman took Mama Raccoon because it was skinning her calf off 20 miles away, just left these three little babies in the wall where I stabled my horse. Mm. So I got them out just to discover that they don't have any teeth yet. Their eyes are barely open. And I had my 13-year-old daughter with me that was going, oh, Dad. (laughs) So I got three baby raccoons. We're going to keep them. My wife has got a hold of some website that says they're vicious after six months. And they now I understand they steal from you. Anything bright, shiny, car keys, glasses, whatever it may be. Uh But everybody I've talked to up here that has raccoons themselves 
say, no, that's all a lie. Now, I, mm. I do understand that I need to get them fixed, and they need to get the rabies shots and, and get stiffer shots. But I guess what I'm asking is, would it, is there a place that you know of here in, in, in northern Texas that I may take them to so they can have a normal life? Okay. All right, David, this is going to be a call that you're not going to probably like anything I have to tell you. <laughs> I'll be very okay. honest. Okay. The the honest truth about raccoons as pets is they make pathetic pets. Now, there may be exceptions, but generally, these are wild animals. So even if they're raised generations in captivity, when they hit maturity, generally by two years of age, they become aggressive, um, they get big, um, and they become destructive. But that's only one part of the equation. The biggest part of the equation that I have is human health. And there are several conditions and diseases that are putting yourself and your children in jeopardy. And as a veterinarian who is trained in zoonotic diseases, diseases that affect people and animals, the raccoon is definitely not a pet I would recommend to have around children. And the reason is many. One is because in the United States, the raccoon is the most common vector or carrier for rabies. And actually, 36% of wildlife cases are because of raccoons. So it is not a critter that I recommend. Now, the reason is because if a human is bitten by, uh, even if you've kept this baby indoors, they've never been outside, you're confident it's never been exposed to rabies. If this raccoon were to bite any human individual, it needs to be put to sleep. And that is one of the big challenges with people who raise raccoons. So in order to raise raccoons, you need to have a wildlife rehabilitation license, and that would be the person I would recommend that you take these babies to. And you can check with uh, um, your, your state um, uh, health and animal control units. They can direct you on that. But there's yet another disease that's even, well, just as terrifying that can affect people that that raccoons carry. And they have a type of roundworm called Bayless ascaris. And they shed massive quantities of this parasite in their feces, thousands of eggs every day, and contaminate environments. And this worm, when it develops into people, it causes severe neurologic disease or death. And the bad thing is that kits that age, so when they're seven, nine weeks of age or younger, they may test negative for this parasite if we were to check their stool sample. But they may go on later to shed this parasite. So it is a very serious threat for human health. And, um, you know, that plus rabies plus the aggression issues, I really don't recommend them as pets. Now, I have treated raccoons. I will tell you there are vets that do. And, uh, yes, they can be spayed and neutered and vaccinated. There are really no vaccines that are recognized in raccoons, so you can give them rabies vaccines. But if they bite someone, like I said, they're pretty much going to have to be destroyed because of the human health issues involved with rabies. That's the hard truth. And, um, you know, I know there are people that have raccoons and they're a lot of fun when they're little. But, um, you know, it really is a, a type of critter that I do recommend that you get in the hands of a wildlife rehabilitator so they can raise them uh, so that they can return to the wild good, healthy, and, um, you know, keep your family safe. Now, who do I call to find one of these people? Well, you want to check. You can check. Start with your animal control authorities. Um, that would be one uh, source. Um, if there's a Department of uh, Wildlife in the area, um, you would check yeah, with them. Yeah, there's one of those. 
Yep, they they will be able to direct you to that that person, and um, that's the you know the best thing I could advise for these little guys' sake and and for your own. Yeah, I mean I'd rather have them out in the wild, anyways. I mean I'd hate to be caged up. Yeah, definitely. And you know they they are interesting, fun little critters, but they definitely can have their share of trouble when they get older. I will tell you that. So yeah, I got well, a good friend luck. with one. He's two years old, and half the time he doesn't make it to work because the <laughs> raccoon took and hit his keys. Oh, oh. I don't know how often that uh, excuse would go over at work, you know. <laughs> yeah, the, my boss is getting really upset with him, but yeah. I don't know. We just have to wait and see. Yeah, you're gonna have to break uh, the news to your daughter, and I'm sure that ain't gonna be easy. You know, kudos no, for saving the babies. Oh, kudos! Tell her she did a good thing. The, the babies were saved, and now they're gonna go on to live a happy life in the wild where they should be. All righty. Thank you very much. Hey, thanks for your call today, David. We appreciate it. one 405 8405 That is toll-free to the Dream Team here at Animal Radio. I forget to mention that they're illegal in a lot of states. Oh. Raccoons are illegal as pets. In some states, raccoons are illegal as pets. And not only that, you could be fined up to $20,000 if you keep them as pets. So it would be very prudent to check with your wildlife authorities. <laughs> if you want to talk to Dr. Debbie right now, it's toll-free, 1-866-405-8405. Well, this portion of Animal Radio is underwritten in part by Critter Cops. There's a new way to find lost pets, and it's becoming very popular all over the USA it's Critter Cops. You'll get huge media blasts of thousands of people about your lost pet. They also offer specialized services for stolen pets. Try the new way to find lost pets and increase your chances of a reunion. Visit CritterCops.net. And thanks, Critter Cops, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on, learn more. Hi, it's Alan Cable. You know, dogs are dogs and people are people. I work with two folks this week. Each of them had the same problem. Their dog basically tries to rip their shoulder off at the end of a leash. And the guy I was working with, he let the dog off the leash. What do you think the dog did? Started jumping on him, grabbing the leash with his teeth. Pretty disrespectful behavior, wouldn't you say? You might not, but if that dog were part of a dog pack and did that to the alpha, he'd get a smackdown. Not with words or conversation like people do, but with swift action, a swift career. Correction. A lot of people refuse to accept that their dog's a dog. They pretend the dogs are human. They think he understands everything they're saying and that he likes everything that humans like. Here's an example. Who doesn't love a hug? I'll tell you who. Most dogs. A hug is threatening to most dogs. They'll put up with it from their human pack members. But when a stranger does it, it signals domination and an invasion of space. It makes a dog feel threatened. We communicate with words. But if you really want to understand your dog or any dog, you have to watch their body language, their eyes, and what they do when you and other people are around. They learn by observing us. For instance, let's say you had a rug in your kitchen and the only time you gave your dog a treat is when he was on this rug. You'll notice the dog connects the dots. He figures out that when he's in that place, he gets a treat. So, every time you walk in the room, you'll notice your dog moves to that spot. He even stays in that spot when you're not in the room. This is a cool way to train your dog to do lots of stuff. You're rewarding him for something he's already doing that you like. Then take it a step 
further. If he's not on the rug, point at it. If he doesn't move, you, while pointing at the rug, start moving towards it. You can use the word treat repeatedly, too. If he's still not moving, get a treat and hold it in your hand while still pointing at the rug and moving towards it. Trust me, your dog's going to get the message. And pretty soon, you'll be able to point to get him to go wherever you want him to. People will be fascinated how your dog will do what you want him to without ever saying a word. The greatest thing you can do for your dog is to be a strong pack leader and give him structure. He'll be calm and happy for it. Melanie Travis has a new book club catering to fans of crime fiction. That means when homicide hits her suburban town, this time she has a whole pack of mystery solving pals to help her collar the killer. Dog lovers won't want to miss this lighthearted, playful caper. Bite Club is on sale now everywhere books are sold. Learn more at kensingtoncozies.com. Hi, this is Wendy Malik on the Animal Network, and don't forget to spay and neuter. Animal Radio. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Hi, this is Wendy Malik on Animal Radio. And do not forget, spay and neuter. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. It is Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets toll-free. It's 1-866-405-8405. We would love to hear from you, especially if you have a, a problem with your animals. I just figured this out. Between Joey and Dr. Debbie and all of us here, we have 602 years of experience. Wow. That, that's actually in dog years. But. <laughs> I was going to say, dang, we're old. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, maybe we can help you, maybe we can't. Uh, but it's worth a try, right? one 405 We go to Greg. Hi, Greg. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Very good. Where are you today? Today I'm in Cayucas, California. I, I know it very well. It's a very, very beautiful place. Yeah. So, so what's Great. going on with you? Well, I... Uh, I thought I'd call in uh, to talk a little bit about this. Uh, recently, I was listening to the show, and you had a gentleman who sounded like he was a long-haul trucker, and he had a black lab that was uh, experiencing some weight problems. Oh, yeah. And you guys dug down and found out that he was giving his uh, pooch treats for going to the bathroom and just about any other. <laughs> so uh, I immediately thought of uh, a, a treat that I was introduced to by the breeders of the last uh, golden retriever that I had. And I, I learned of this when I went to actually pick up my pup. And they were giving all of the litter and a mom and dad, who happened to still be around, Ice cookies. Ice cookies? What's an ice cookie? Yeah. An ice cookie is a cube of ice. <laughs> just a plain, just a plain, no flavor or anything in it, just just plain ice? Ice cookies. Ice cookies. The dogs went wild for ice cookies. <laughs> and and even they had these, you know, seven, eight-week-old pups were just clamoring for ice cookies. And it was a crack-up. But I thought, man, that is brilliant. And so... Uh, Casey, my pup, became a lifelong fan of ice cookies, and uh, what a great way to keep the weight in check and also keep them hydrated. Yeah. And then I suppose, you know, you, could, you know, you could even add something to the ice cookies. You could add vitamins, minerals, whatever you wanted to add to them to embellish the treat. Do you, you, know? do, you do that? Do you add anything to it? I never did. I just, you know, when he when he was hankering for a treat, I'd give him a couple of ice cookies, and he couldn't be happier. 
Have you ever heard yeah, of this, Doctor Debbie? Yeah, and I can't tell you how many dogs, when they hear the sound of an ice maker, will go running to the refrigerator <laughs> freezer. Um, but you know, okay, I will have to say there's always a caveat with oh, anything yeah. you can feed your pet, and I have to be like the uh, public service message oh, here. Debbie on this Downer. One. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. I will be a Doctor Debbie Downer on this one. So yeah, yeah, it can be fun. You know, the best thing are dogs that you know lick and play with the ice cube rather than just maybe you know crunching it, and chewing it, because Large ice cubes, when they chew on it, they can actually crack their teeth. So oh. veterinary dentists will caution you on that. That is just as possible that that can happen with some of the other hard chew items. So, you know, chewers beware that that can certainly... Well, isn't it just as hard as uh, uh, like a, a chew bone of any sort that you'd get at the store, though? I mean, maybe even less? Yeah, I mean, to some degree, it's, but anything that's hard enough that when you whack your knee with it, you know, it would hurt. Um, and so do those kind of, you know, the plasticky nyla bones, um, some of the rawhide bones have that same heavy density. So it still has that potential. The other thing is the shape. So, you know, if we've got small little ice chips, they're not going to likely be a problem. But if you've got a larger piece of ice, um, dog teeth are a little bit shaped differently than people. You know, we've got hard occlusal surfaces. That, so they're not going to quite have the same even forces when they're chewing. So like I said, I'm just kind of delivering the message. Don't attack the messenger. <laughs> it is a risk factor that can happen. I like the idea though, Greg. And in yes. fact, I'm well, going to try it later today with uh, Ladybug. Yeah, I'm just going to get all excited and pretend like yeah. I have something really valuable. That's funny about hearing the ice maker go off and having the dogs go crazy. But uh, yeah, we have worked, worked for my old guy Casey for many, many years and I don't recall any dental problems, but that's a good uh, caveat, Debbie. Thank you. Thank you so much, Greg, for calling and listening on KVEC in San Luis. Obispo, California. We're going to head back to the phones for your calls toll free at 1 866 405 8405. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Pet Playgrounds. Pet Playgrounds stops dogs from digging. The folks at Pet Playgrounds are dog owners too, and they've designed a fence system with digging in mind. 12 inches of super strong material is invisibly staked down and flared inward along the surface of the ground where Fido would normally dig and get out. Learn more over at PetPlayGrounds.com. And thanks, Pet Playgrounds, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. A Sacramento couple said they were shocked and confused when their dog received a bill from Verizon Online. Steve Finelli and Sean Donovan said their Lasso Opso named Andy Finelli received a notice in the mail from a collections agency about a bill totaling $142.34. Verizon said the bill was meant for a man named Andy Finelli who lives on the other side of the country. Owner Donovan said, just because there's an Andy Finelli back east doesn't mean you send a letter to Andy Finelli in California. There has to be something else to connect it. AFNI Collections Agency said the confusion may have resulted from the fact that Andy Finelli, the dog, has his own American Express card, which Donovan obtained when it was offered to family members. Donovan said she often takes her girlfriends out to lunch on Andy, the dog. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on, learn more. 
People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our grain-free rolled food. It's protein-packed with less risk of food sensitivity. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. Every part of the pet care industry is growing these days, and growing so fast, including, did you even know this existed, the mental health portion of pet care. Huh. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Now, now most of us are aware of, you know, possible pet problems like separation anxiety, and, and some dogs have compulsive behaviors or phobias and aggression, of course. But as a result of this, many pets are now being prescribed psychiatric medications. In fact, one study published last year found that 8% of dog owners and 6% of cat owners gave medications to their pets for things like anxiety and to calm them for their moods and stuff. But now, if you think about it, because about 60 million American households have dogs, 47 million homes have cats, um, it is believed that actually millions of American pets are taking medications for behavioral issues. Now, whether pets really need mood-altering drugs is still kind of controversial because it's not known exactly how often these meds are used truly to care for the pet or how often they're simply being given to the dog for the convenience of pet owners. So anyway, there, there have been some clinical trials that suggest antidepressants indeed may help dogs suffering from separation anxiety and compulsive behaviors like tail chasing. But most of these studies have also included behavioral therapies that are part of the treatments for the animals, not just giving them medication alone. So if you're just giving your dog a medication, you might want to Google it and figure out exactly uh, if there's a companion behavioral therapy for it. Uh, some of these therapies are actually pretty simple, like spending more time with a pet, taking them outdoors and using training programs. Now, here's a heads up. Research tells us that dogs who are walked only a few times each week or uh, other pets whose owners spend less time at home, those pets may be at greater risk for behavioral problems like excessive barking and destructiveness. And lastly, keep in mind that as with humans, giving psych meds to pets can cause side effects. In fact, they're pretty much the same side effects that they cause in humans. Uh, nausea weight loss or weight gain and vomiting are pretty common ones. I got to jump in because first of all, I want to say that don't give your pets any kind of medications that you have. If you don't self-treat your pets, make sure your exactly. veterinarian knows. But I, I got to admit that I have a cat that is on Prozac and has been on Prozac for... Boy, 10 years? 10 years? Okay. Yeah, I've been slowly trying to wean him off, though. We've been cutting down. We used to be every day, but now we're down to every two, every third day. And now, and that may sound crazy, but before he was on this Prozac, he would uh, walk around the perimeters of the house, just all uptight, very anxious, and he would pee all over the place. He was just really very uptight. 
And has oh, it's no. changed. Oh, it's changed. Yeah, you know, you, out of all the other cats, they would lay down and relax, and he would be pacing around the house. He'd pace a room several times, go to the next room, pace around that room, then pee. And, and he doesn't exhibit that behavior anymore. No, no, they really calmed him down and let him finally relax. We never saw that cat sleeping. He was too busy just, you know, going around the house. Being tense. Yeah. Now, you guys, you brought up something very, very important. When you talked about tapering them off, the mm-hmm. Prozac, because mm-hmm. Prozac is an SSRI, a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. So there is the, the syndrome when you come off it too fast, you can literally go yeah. into withdrawals. And so I'm, I'm glad to hear that you guys were advised of that. I did for a whole year. I did it every other day. I went from every day and then the next year, one year I did every other day. Now this year I'm down to every third day so i'm doing it yearly i'm taking my yeah, time real slow real slow <laughs> well I, i'm glad you guys have a you yeah. know that we know that it works for a cat now because i i've never heard of a cat being on prozac i've heard of lots of dogs being on it but uh, and humans now some of those humans who oh geez you know therapy pets yeah we get rather emotional here mm-hmm. uh there was a great article recently and you pointed it out to me hal and it was fabulous uh it was in parade magazine it comes in the sunday newspapers oh, about the therapy um, dogs yes and it it is i will highly recommend it to anybody who's thinking about getting uh having an emotional support animal because this will tell you everything that you have to do. And in fact, you might, it might it's pretty um, eye-opening. You will probably just look at it and go, oh my gosh, my dog could never be a therapy dog. That's why they're, <laughs> and, and I don't mean that to discourage anybody, but let me tell you about this. The, the author mentioned uh, in the very beginning how he saw this cute therapy dog wearing his therapy vest and he asked the owner if he could pet the dog like a lot of people do because you know you're not supposed to pet working animals and and the owner told him look he's really not a therapy dog i just put this vest on him so i can take him in the store with me Mm. that Uh doesn't shock you right no that doesn't not in this day and age yeah right because it happens so much but now of course some airlines are requiring documentation that a therapy animal really is what the pet parent says the therapy animal is or is supposed to be. So what does it take to have a legitimately trained therapy, let's say a dog? They have to be at least one year old at the time of evaluation or only six months old if you're trying to get a a rabbit, a guinea pig, or a rat certified. Um, They have to have lived with you for at least six months. I thought this was funny. Or if it's a therapy bird, it has to have lived with you for one year. They That's want to great. know that you know these animals. Okay. They, they have to be reliably house-trained, vaccinated against rabies. And you can't say, I got a titer and he's covered. No, titers are not accepted uh, in lieu of a vaccination. The therapy pet or possible therapy pet cannot be fed a diet of raw meat because they could get salmonella and that could be passed on to humans. Mm. They've also got to have a a zero history of aggression. Um, They have to demonstrate basic obedience skills. And a dog, say, walking on a lead should walk on a loose leash and then respond predictably to basic commands, such as you say sit, the dog sits and stays there. Uh, This was interesting. They must welcome and not just tolerate interacting with strangers. I mean, they have to, to really enjoy it. I think airlines will be much happier when when they see these things. But as the handler, you have to do a lot of things too. 
you have to be able to cue and redirect that pet without, think about this, you have to be able to tell the dog to sit or come or anything, but you can't raise your voice. You're not allowed to jerk on a leash and you can't offer food or toys, treats, nothing. Hmm. No so bribes. The dog, yeah, the dog really has to be responsive to you. And um, for the pet partner's business that is now you know in this business, and they have been for a long time, actually. It's why we talk about them. Um, they register nine different species for therapy animal work. So if it's not just dogs for you, you're a cat lover. How? Yes. You could definitely what about my have rat? your cat certified. Can I have my rat certified? They do they do rats. Okay. Um horses, rabbits, guinea pigs, llamas and alpacas, birds and miniature pigs. Oh, but that's you. a lot of work. It I mean is. I Well, my service llama probably wouldn't pass all of those. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine going to a restaurant and finding a service llama in there? I did see a show one time that had a, had a, a therapy llama. He was really good. In fact, I think he, they transported him in the back of a van. Those... And he would just lay down, went to hospitals, and, and they loved him. I mean, he's different, so if it cheers up patients. Those things can spit. Right, but they would have to not be... Not yeah, spit. if you want your llama <laughs> to be a service llama, it can't spit. So right, yeah, okay. So I don't, you know, I. Good luck with the llamas, guys. Anyway, <laughs> I'm Lori Brooks. Remember that you can check out Breaking Animal News anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at one eight six six four zero five eight four zero five. hair in my mouth it's all over my mic <laughs> it's animal radio celebrating the connection with our pets we get to take our pets to work that's one good thing joey whenever he comes in he's always covered with hair in fact <laughs> you know what when we go out to lunch or anything like that i request that he, he puts a bib on or something because otherwise hair ends up in our food what what's that's that why style, i gave him that baby? t-shirt the other day yes you i know, know. Ch- change your shirt joey yeah, really. I mean, what, what am no, I, the brunt of everyone's joke? Yeah. No, no, you just, I mean, because you're a groomer, you always have hair on you. And that's just yeah. a hazard of your job. Well, you got to see when we, we, when we eat lunch in a grooming salon. Do you ever eat, try to eat a tuna sandwich in a grooming <laughs> oh. salon? You know, you get used to it after a while. It's roughage. <laughs> I like having you around, Joey, because you have more pet hair on you than I do on me. Yes. And, and nobody ever does. Yeah. <laughs> Lori, what are you working on over there in the newsroom for this hour? Well, you know. Speaking of the Joey problem, uh, pet hair. Uh, there is a crime committed recently over pet hair. Cat really? hair specifically. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll tell you all about it in the news. Yeah. Keep busting somebody about pet hair on their shirt and there will be a crime committed. <laughs> hey, this portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Brilliant Pad. Are you tired of handling stinky puppy pads? I mean, really, you got to be. The Brilliant Pad self-cleaning dog potty wraps and seals waste to keep your home clean and odor-free. You know, that messy and smelly is replaced with clean and fresh. Do your pads do that? Learn more at BrilliantPad.com. And thanks, Brilliant Pad, for underwriting Animal Radio. This is Animal Radio, baby. I'd love to hear more. Do you have a card? 
This is it. This is when you can either let something happen or make it happen with your professional custom card from Vistaprint. Right now, you can get 500 business cards personalized the way you want them, starting at just $9.99. You pick the look, the style, and the statement you want to make in the moment. Now's the time to make something happen for your business. So own the now with 500 custom business cards starting at $9.99 at Vistaprint.com. Just use promo code 3232. That's Vistaprint.com promo code 3232. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. It is Animal Radio. Celebrating the connection with our pets. And you can call us. Doesn't cost you a penny. Just dial 1-866-405-8405. Even if it's just to check in. You know, you don't have to have a question about your pets. Just to say hello. We love hearing from you. I welcome back my bud, Mark. Mark Tuchel, traveling across the country with his, what, 23, 40, 50 dogs? You have a lot of dogs. Uh, 40, 50, I, I have a hard time keeping track of all of them. I'm yeah. so envious. That yeah. sounds like so much fun. Oh, really? All of them packed into an RV? It doesn't yeah, sound it does. like a lot of fun to me. That's a lot of poop. <laughs> yeah. Where Where are you now? Uh, I'm on the beach, uh, down in the Keys. I'm on Marathon Key, so right now I'm going to hang out on the Atlantic side of the uh, key because it's a little nicer here. More of a breeze, which keeps the mosquitoes away. Oh, yeah. What, are you having mosquito problems? Yeah, well, that's, you know, that's why I wanted to talk to you about this because, uh, first and foremost, I trust you guys and your dream team, Hal. I mean, um, when when I have pet questions, who do I call? You. Right? You usually call when you have any kind of question, but yeah, that's okay. I mean, I, I think I implicitly trust all of our doctors and, and, and trainers and, and everybody that works here at Animal Radio because they know what they're doing. Well, and you're not gonna you're not gonna try and just sell me something. You know, you go to the internet and everybody wants to sell you a product. So here's here's my my question is actually it's got two levels here. I'm concerned about my dogs and I'm concerned about myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's you know it's mosquito season uh, in most parts of the country right now, and Damn. I want to I want to keep the mosquitoes off the dogs because naturally the mosquitoes go where the hair is thinnest around the ankles, the top of the head, bridge of the nose, around their eyes, stuff like that. But mm-hmm. uh, I know that there's medication that you give them to you know keep Nile virus and heartworm and all that other stuff out mm-hmm. of them. But uh, the mosquitoes seem to bother them. But then they bother me because you bring the dogs in the house. Oh, look at that. There's 20, 30 mosquitoes swarming off of the dogs. <laughs> so I was, you know, I'm thinking, all right, well, I can spray, you know, cutters and skin so soft and all this stuff on me, on my skin. So my logic tells me, well, maybe I could spray it on the dogs. But I realize the dogs are going to... Uh, lick their paws and lick various mm-hmm. areas. So okay, and you have is, only dogs. What, what do we do to keep mosquitoes off a dog so that we're not bringing them in the house? Okay, and do you have only dogs you're traveling with, or do you have cats as well? I have just dogs, but I'm, I'm sure dogs. it could be the same with cats. And in fact, I have a friend of mine who has a bunny rabbit, and they were saying they can't even take their bunny rabbit outside because same thing. All the mosquitoes swarm inside the the fur, and then uh, they become free range inside the uh, yeah. you know inside yeah. the house. 
Okay. Well, that just helps to clear things up because with cats, we have a little different rules when it comes to some of the flea products. They are very sensitive to some of the very common flea, tick, mosquito repellents that we might use. So you just have to use a different set of rules with cats. For dogs, I mean, you can pretty much pick up most flea tick sprays that are pyrethrin-based, which is a common ingredient in insecticide, uh, safe for animals. If you have cats, you have to be careful. You can't use some of these dog products with them. But that would be one thing that if you're going outside, you can spray that on them, and it'll give them some short-term relief while you're going out to keep those critters away. Now, but you did mention some other things that are kind of natural. And Skin So Soft, believe it or not, is proven to help repel parasites. So uh, mosquitoes um, do stay away. And in animals, we can use it. I usually do dilute it. Um, I try to dilute it about you know 50% with water. Water. You can put that in a spray bottle, spritz it on them, uh, other than being maybe a little oily kind of texture that you feel on their fur. Um, you know, it's very safe um, and it works. So I would I would definitely endorse that. Um, and it's interesting, you know, there's a lot of different kind of natural oils that essential oils, um, you know, folks that are looking for natural remedies, they, they do repel mosquitoes. Um, you just have to be a little bit cautious with some of those products, uh, making sure you don't get um, high concentrations so they're not toxic. And um, one essential oil actually comes from catnip. Uh, and it has, I actually read a research article um, a ways back that proved that catnip was a far more effective mosquito repellent than DEET uh, by 10 times. Um, I don't know wow. that they figured out how to put catnip into a form we can administer on top of our pets, but, <laughs> but it might make our cats happy about that. Um, well, well, let me ask this, because um, so many old timers uh, and, and, and people who, I mean, Coast Guard guys and all these people are always out, you know, in the Caribbean and whatnot. They always, they rub themselves down with uh, baby oil. And it's, uh, mm-hmm. they say that that keeps the mosquitoes off because the mosquitoes don't want to get anywhere near oil. Is baby oil safe for a dog? <laughs> You know, baby oil, I don't believe has any essential oils. And, and I would be a little concerned because if we're slathering on an oil, it can actually amplify the sun's rays and, and the sun exposure. So we have more chance for sunburn and things like that. So I probably oh. wouldn't go with that, with that route. You know, but a lot of the regular flea tick products that you use, you know, Advantix, um, there's other spot on products. Um, those have repellency for mosquitoes. So you can use that and maybe also add in something like a kind of a natural relief, um, skin so soft being one of them. Um, so I, I would try, you know, a combination of those things. And, uh, you know, you mentioned like cutters and some of the things that we use for ourselves. Um, we can use DEET in low concentrations on dogs. And there are dog products that have it. It's usually, oh, I believe it's under 10% concentration of DEET. But you have to watch. The human stuff is high potency. So it's usually 50 to 90% DEET. So um, you have to use caution. And I, I definitely prefer folks use um, a pet approved product if they're looking for a deep one mm. okay see now that's why i called you hal because <laughs> i got a straight answer something i could understand i got the connections here with dr debbie and uh, dog father joey villani i got the hookup thanks for calling mark i appreciate it thank you for the help okay <laughs> bye 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 <laughs> <laughs> so silly <laughs> want to fly somewhere looking for cheap flights or cheap tickets Then call. 
That's right. Call the low-cost airline travel hotline now for prices so low, we can't publish them anywhere. Low-cost airlines has all kinds of cheap travel deals. Fly domestically and save up to 75%. You can even fly internationally and save even more. Yes, fly anywhere in the world and save a lot of money on your plane tickets. We'll even save you money with cheap travel deals on hotels, rental cars, even complete travel packages. So don't book your tickets until you call us first for the absolute cheapest price. Prices on U.S. and international airline tickets and hotels. Call right now for prices so low they can't be published. Travel experts are here 24-7 to help. 800-311-2199. 800-311-2199. That's 800-311-2199. Celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Yeah, I like talking to celebrities here on the show, and I love talking to the experts, but I got to say my favorite part of the show is talking to you. Yes, you looking down at your radio right now. Here's the number, 1-866-405-8405. You can also ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android, but forget that for now because we want to talk to you live, and we're going to go to the phones in just a couple of seconds here. Lori, what are you working on over there in the newsroom? You're not going to believe this story. Okay. There's a group of people who literally hijacked a dog park. Hijacked a dog park? (laughs) Yes, it was a public city dog park, and people came along and hijacked, pirated, stole the dog park. And for like 10 years, it was under the radar. Nobody even knew. The city didn't even know. But I'll tell you how they did that and uh, how the city hopes to get it back. Hey, Paul, how are you? Well, I've got two quick questions, and then uh, what I believe was at least a semi-miracle that I think was wonderful thing to happen. My first question is, is there such a thing as any spray like an anti-catnip that will keep um, <laughs> Tomcat, my tiger that I, I have here, from continuing to put air ventilation holes in my sofas and my cur- <laughs> curtains? What, you don't like those holes? <laughs> no, I really don't want those holes. Well, you know, I'll tell you, Paul, there are certainly sprays that are made, but for what your purpose of keeping your kitty away from, um, I'll be honest, I think your chance of having a spray deter your cat from scratching on furniture is going to be very unlikely for a couple of reasons. Most of the deterrent sprays, you know, are, are based off of something that's aversive to a cat, you know, whether it's got lemon or orange peel extract or even capsaicin, which is the kind of one of the ingredients in like a... Uh, Tabasco, um, those kind of things can be a deterrent, but most cats feel such a thrill and there's so much more of a motivator to do scratching behavior. It's partly a marking behavior and it's partly just fun. So it's going to be hard to really overcome that. Um, there are other tools that I do recommend to help you with dealing with scratching problems. Um, some of them are physical things and um, others are just kind of strategizing your household and how to make some changes. One of the things can be a short-term aid are using the nail caps um, that you actually you know, trim the nail, put the little glue and the cap on the nail, and it helps to protect your furniture while you're you know trying to work on some of the training behaviors. Um, but the deterrence to keep a kitty away from furniture that I find the most luck is 
shutting doors, number one, uh, decrease the access just in the most simple way you can. So if it's an area that you're trying to preserve um, your kitty not to get to, um, you know, a door closing can be a great thing. Um, but other things like upside down uh, plastic carpet runners can be a deterrent that you can put that on either on the furniture or right immediately where they're kind of stepping and treading and kind of stretching onto the furniture. It just feels a little unpleasant. It doesn't really hurt them. It's just kind of a way to keep them away. Um, and then there's, you know, the scat maps, which are the little static mats, um, which also can be used on counters or furniture to deter kitties from, you know, going in those locations. And then um, I think the other thing a lot of us use are the upside, uh, the double-sided sticky tape, you know, putting those in the places that are um, the high uh, repeat areas where your kitty might be scratching. Um, those, I think you'll have better success. And then of course, you know, offering that alternative site, which is really attractive, whether your kitty likes, uh, corrugated cardboard, um, surfaces, um, you know, the carpeted kitty posts, uh, with a little catnip in the area to entice them to that, whatever it may take. Um, but those would be my, my recommendations before I'd say, uh, you know, a spray is going to do the job. Okay. That helps on that. Um, talking to a couple other cat owners. And um, including my, my son, who, who when he married his bride, she said, if you love me, you must love my cats. And because uh, <laughs> uh, he had an allergy, but uh, he, he, he persevered. Um, and now, if I may, I'd like to as quickly as I can share with you the miracle um, with our oh, goldfish okay. a, few, a few years ago. Um, okay. <clears throat> my son was going camping for the weekend and... Uh, he was a high school student, and he had a, a fairly long-lived goldfish in one of those small, little, round um, goldfish bowls. And he asked his younger uh, sister, Amy, um, who now is a physical therapist and does very well, but back then she took the food uh, container and spilled so much that it just a layer of fish food on the water, which cut down on the oxygen. And uh, she came crying to me, screaming and tearful, and said, Daddy, I've killed Jason's fish. Can, can you do something? You, you listened to that pet show, and it was one that was on a Philadelphia station on Saturday mornings <clears throat> years ago. And um, I, I said, oh, my goodness, to call a, a veterinarian and ask about a goldfish, I'm probably going to not be able to get anything done. But my daughter was in great emotional pain. So I said, yes, I'll do that. So I called up, and sure enough, the screener said, you, you, want, you want a goldfish that stops swimming to, to be revived? And I, I said, uh, yes, I do. My 12-year-old daughter is quite upset, and I just need to find out if there's anything we can do for the fish because I can't really take it to a vet. It would be too long. And and so, well, well okay, I'll put you on hold, and uh, the, the vet will talk to you. So I had scooped out the excess, uh, well, all as much of the, the cat food, I mean, of the uh, fish food as I could, so it cleared off the surface. And it was a fairly long hold of about 15 minutes until I got to the vet on the radio. And while that was happening, I put my finger by the, the tail fins, and I began to push the um, goldfish around in a circle inside its small glass container just kept pushing it and pushing it gently and slowly gently and slowly and just before the vet was able to get to me i began to realize hey the the, the fish is wiggling and, and moving and uh, indeed it was swimming so i told the vet that uh, wow I, I she said yeah i don't know what i can really tell you over the phone for a goldfish that that's died but uh I said, well, you don't have to worry about that because 
uh, I've given it artificial gill uh, respiration, <laughs> and, uh, and 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 it just is. It's you know, I guess if a goldfish could smile, uh, it would have done that. But my daughter Amy's face was smiling as much as an as much as an August sun at noon. I'm telling you. So oh. I just thought that was a miracle, and uh, I do recommend it to anyone whose son or daughter pours <laughs> too much food in there. And the fish lived happily for quite a while after that. Oh. Oh, well, funny. and you know what? I have to say, you know, that does make sense, you know, but actually, you know, some of what you did actually before you even tried to touch the fish sounds like it really could have helped quite a bit because when you have all those buildups of, um, you know, the food and the waste in there, there's a lot of, you know, waste products built up in their water. So that's mm. kind of what he's breathing. You know, once that gets uh, rectified and cleaned up, um, that's part of a water change and cleaning out a tank after an overfeeding is part of how we treat it. So, you know, even just that process was uh, certainly helpful. Yeah. And this was a goldfish, right? A goldfish, and it was only like uh-huh. about maybe two inches long at that time. Well, we see a lot of goldfish with um, what we call buoyancy oh. disorders. So, you know, mm-hmm. they either are what we call floaters or shinkers. <laughs> so, um, you know, they have these little swim bladders that help them, um, you know, go up and down and, you know, regulate their buoyancy in the, in the water. And uh, sometimes that'll cause them to float in a weird pattern on the top of the tank. And other times it'll, it'll cause them to sink. And, you know, about over three quarters of the time something like that happens, there's really something medically going on, some kind of problem, mm-hmm. whether it's uh, infection. Um, a growth, uh, kidney problems, reproductive issues. But there's all sorts of different remedies we can do for that. So um, I would encourage you or other listeners, if you do have a goldfish with this kind of problem, don't flush. You could actually have something yeah. done for your goldfish. <laughs> you know, I know human doctors have so much to learn, pharmacology and the anatomy and all the various diseases. And there's new ones coming in. But you vets deal with many different species from goldfish up to horses or whatever and and they can't talk to you so i just think that's an amazing thing i had a roommate who was studying to be a veterinarian and um, i found out that the the course of study is actually more rigorous than it is for a human doctor so i think you vets are amazing Oh, well, thank you. And thank you so much You're for welcome. calling, Paul. I appreciate all your great questions today. Those were really great. And your your life-saving abilities. So congratulations yes, on that. Okay. <laughs> That'll give me an extra halo maybe when I pass on. Uh, okay, we could use you. all the halos we can get. Thank you for your call, Paul. Toll-free 1-866-405-8405 to reach out to the Dream Team right now. Really, you see goldfish in your office? People bring goldfish in. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we've had goldfish that have had um, tumors removed. And, uh, yeah, so there, there's a whole plethora of things that people will bring their fish for. Um, it, it's just not quite as common. You know, we see far more dogs and cats. So uh, I, one of my first pets was a goldfish named Murgatroyd. And he was like a rescue from a um, fair, you know, that game where you play oh, the yeah. ping pong ball. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was, you know, I won him. And my mother was like, we have no fish tank. What are you doing? So that kind of started things off. So. Uh, Murgatroyd was with me for many years, which is unusual. You don't usually get those little fancy feeder goldfish to last that long, but um, started my love of pets. I saw a picture, I don't know if it was true, of a goldfish, I guess. Maybe it was one of the ones that was a sinker, and they had tied like a little balloon to it Mm -hmm. or something just to keep it floating and upright. 
Is that yeah, true? Yeah, that's one of the therapies. They're actually, they call it a buoyancy vest. Um, so it's <laughs> one of the ways to help them to kind of, because some of the causes of buoyancy problems can be something we might need to continue to treat, like an infection. So those aren't going to rectify right away. So you need to be able to have the fish be able to function um, and to move around. So that helps them to kind of not beat themselves up on the bottom of the tank or sometimes being upright, upside down will cause their scales to dry out and they can have um, areas, you know, be harmed from being out of water when it shouldn't be. So, yeah, that's kind of a cool thing. You actually can't see a buoyancy vest. Hmm. You are the fish fairy today. She is the fish fairy. She is so multi-talented. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> if you want to talk to Dr. Debbie right now, it's toll-free, 1-866-405-8405. Questions about pretty much all of your animals, except that husband of yours. Yeah, she can't answer questions about that, so don't call about him. Okay. Well, this scrumptious serving of Animal Radio is brought to you by the grain-free Red Barn Naturals canned food for dogs and cats. Always made in the USA with natural, functional ingredients to support your pet's optimal health. You can learn more over at redbarning.com. And thanks, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. Message and data rates may apply. Please do not text and drive. See purple.com for terms and conditions. And now for an important announcement. Do you or does someone you know sweat the bed? Do you ever wake up feeling like you've been sleeping on a slip and slide? Sweating the bed is a serious but common problem that affects your sleep, health, and happiness. Plus, it's just plain gross. But it's not you. It's your mattress. Fortunately, there is a cure. It's called Purple. Purple is the only mattress with a scientifically engineered smart comfort grid. This patented technology is designed to let air flow freely so you sleep cool. Side effects of sleeping on Purple include sleeping better, feeling better, and, well, honestly, smelling better. Try the Purple mattress risk-free for 100 nights and never sweat the bed again. Now you can pick your own free product with mattress purchase by texting TRY to 84888. Become a Purple VIP and be the first to know about deals by texting TRY to 84888. That's T-R-Y to 84888. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. is Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets. If this is your first time listening, welcome. To my left is Judy. She's screening your calls. To my right in the newsroom, Miss Lori Brooks. Joey Volani is here answering your uh, grooming questions. And Dr. Debbie's also here answering your pet medical questions. questions. Anything. We're ready for behavior, medicine, or just that second opinion you might want because you got that itching question in your head <laughs> yeah a free second opinion where else can you get that i don't know i, I sort of sit around and criticize people all day i'll give you a second For a skinny opinion. girl dr <laughs> debbie though is pretty well-rounded she you know? is she really is <laughs> For a skinny girl <laughs> and uh boy that threw me off oh dr debbie she she has some great books too if you happen to have a yorkshire terrier a shih tzu a pug or a mini schnauzer she has written these Kindle books. They're like how-to guides, manuals. You should have these books if you have one of these breeds. And they're easy to read Kindle books over at Amazon.com. And, of course, you can uh, – you can. Uh, what was I uh, – I believe you can uh, – and of You course, can go online yeah, you can, <laughs> and download them. You can download them. Hey, how about downloading those books? It's all the pollen in the air. It is. There's it's a lot. Our- <laughs> For just a second, I forgot where I was. And I looked around, and I saw all the animals. And then it hit me. Here I am at Animal Radio. Hey, time for Dueling Debbies. Hey, Debbie, how are you doing? 
Um, in my neighborhood, we have a huge, huge stray cat problem. And I was wondering if there's anything that can be done to uh, keep them out of flower beds. And they just dig them up, sleep in them, use them as litter boxes. Yeah, yeah. And, and that is definitely, I'll tell you, there are some solutions. Um, all of these will be helpful in certain situations, and you might have variable variable success with them. And as long as there's those stray cats out there kind of hanging out, um, they are definitely drawn to soil. You know, it's it's what they do. It's, it's what they nest in. It's what they... Um, cover their excrement in, so um, it, it is a natural instinct. So that being said, for those who don't want the cats in their garden, um, we can try some physical things to keep them away and make it less attractive. And there's some other things that we can do. Um, there's, certainly there are some um, products out on the market that are granules that uh, help to uh, keep the critters out of certain areas. And, and I can't say I have a lot of success with those. <laughs> um, I am a fan of the physical deterrence, things that don't hurt the cat, but make it unpleasant for them to tread in those those areas. And one of the great things you can try, and in a garden it'll have a dual benefit, is the motion-activated sprinkler system, um, or there's even one that has a compressed air. So when the electronic eye is set off, when the cat or the animal treads in that area, um, a sprinkler will go and kind of spook them away. So a very kind, gentle way to just get them out of the area. That, and you may even combine that with, um, if it's appropriate in your garden setting, is to take um, chicken wire or really close mesh wire and lay that down in the bed of the garden. And they don't like to step on it. Um, it, it obviously can only be used in certain areas, but if that's appropriate for some of the bulk areas of your garden, um, it can be a wonderful deterrent to keep them away from there. Um, they one of the natural. No, they, they they will avoid the area. So cats, if they wanted to, they could walk on it. It just feels uncomfortable. It's kind of like walking on, um, you know, waffle wire. It, it just it doesn't feel good. It doesn't cut them. I'm talking barbed wire. We're not talking anything like that. This is just chicken wire or some of that uh, rabbit fencing, if you will, that'll help to keep um, bunnies out. Um, so that's something. But you lay it down because don't just stand it up. They'll just jump right over it otherwise. Um, and then I do have some luck with using citrus products. Um, just naturally some, just citrus is unpleasant to cats. They don't really like it. They don't want to be around it. So, um, if you can put some orange peels, lemon peels, and kind of sprinkle that on the perimeter of your garden, um, it's kind of a natural deterrent that, uh, that might help to keep the, the kitties away. And then as far as, I know I've mentioned this before for folks who are having trouble with cats coming near their house, um, some of the back door situations, um, is that you can actually go to a hunting uh, store and pick up uh, coyote urine. And uh, if you can tolerate the smell of it near your garden, um, you can treat the area around. And that can help just by uh, signaling that a predator is nearby and it can deter cats from uh, kind of going in the area. So th there's a lot of solutions there. You can try, see what works for you. Um, certainly is better than clapping your hands and yelling, hey, get out of my garden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish uh, I, there was something we could, you know, they're starving, but. Last summer, I made the mistake of feeding a couple, and I'd come home and there oh, was yeah. 20 on my porch. So yeah. I had something to do to stop it, but... Yeah, and that is that is definitely one thing that you, you've hit upon that. As long as you offer food sources, those cats are going to be coming around. So you really have to cut that off in your area if you want them to stay away. You're not going to have any luck if you keep feeding them. Okay, well, I'll try some of those. Good luck with right, that, well, Debbie. Good luck. All right, thanks. That's uh, always a tough problem there, but yeah, don't feed them. 
Oh, my God. That's going to bring them around in a second. Feed them in your neighbor's yard. (laughs) This portion of Animal Radio was underwritten by Pet Playgrounds, makers of the safe and reliable real dog fencing system in the world. Pet Playgrounds can be installed by anyone on any terrain, even over rocks, trees, roots, and uneven land. You can learn more over at PetPlaygrounds.com. And thank you, Pet Playgrounds, for underwriting Animal Radio. Hi, it's Alan Cable with your Because We Love Our Pets watch. Arizona safety tyrant Matthew tries to tough it out in a car with the windows rolled up in the summer heat to illustrate what it would be like for your dog. It's only been about two minutes. This is ultimately what it feels like to be a dog trapped inside of a car on a hot day. It's 120 degrees in that car. While their owner is probably in a grocery store. Six minutes. I seriously couldn't imagine leaving my dog in a car like this. Tyron has to bail after just eight minutes. Here's something important to remember about dogs. They can't sweat. The only way they release heat is through the bottom of their paws and by panting. So the heat is way tougher for them to handle than us. On a 90-degree day, even with the windows rolled down partially, the temperature inside a parked car can quickly reach 120 degrees. And 105 degrees is the critical mark for a dog. Their organs will start to fail at that temperature. If you see a dog in a hot car, every second counts. Dial 911 immediately. I'd love to hear more. Do you have a card? This is it. This is when you can either let something happen or make it happen with your professional custom card from Vistaprint. Right now, you can get 500 business cards personalized the way you want them, starting at just $9.99. You pick the look, the style, and the statement you want to make in the moment. Now's the time to make something happen for your business. So own the now with 500 custom business cards, starting at $9.99 at Vistaprint.com. Just use promo code 3232. That's Vistaprint.com, promo code 3232. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. I have this startling story for you. I ran across this week. Um, recreational drugs, uh, alcohol, absolutely not for pets or children, right? I mean, don't we all think that way? Well, the Family Center for Recovery surveyed over a thousand pet parents. And while cats are, of course, known for their curiosity, this survey revealed that it is dogs who get into the most trouble. They had 807 dog owners in this survey confessing to seeing their dog consume drugs or alcohol, but it was only just about 275 for cats. But the survey found that alcohol is definitely the substance that is accidentally consumed by most pets. Accidentally. Yeah, that's what I thought was interesting, but 28% of these uh, pet parents admitted to watching their pets consume alcohol. And I can see people just watching it and thinking that's funny. And then some going as far to say they actually gave the alcohol to their pet on purpose. There's about, uh, in this survey, one in four that confessed that they thought eating marijuana or inhaling it was safe for their pets. So, oh, you know, like alcohol, you got to be careful because marijuana can cause serious health issues for your pet. In fact, most veterinarians' offices will tell you they are seeing an incredibly alarming number that is just going up and up and up of pets that have come in high on their owner's recreational drug of choice. So, uh, but aside from alcohol and marijuana, over-the-counter medication was absolutely the most frequent drug consumed by pets. And that's, you know, we've all done this usually because somebody left the medicine in a place that they thought was, you know, out of reach for the pet, but it wasn't. And then finally, this is truly shocking. Almost 10% of men and 5% of women in this survey said they purposefully got high with their pet on drugs so that they could 
share the experience with them. Jeez. Like, wow. Now, is, is it, Dude. Are, are we just out of that generation or culture? <laughs> I because I, I don't get it. so, yeah. But now, even, even stranger, nearly 8% of men and 4% of women said they gave their pet drugs or alcohol out of boredom. Oh, they shouldn't have they need animals. They to get a job. Yeah. They yeah take those animals away. So, but, you know, this was done by what was it? The Family Center for Recovery. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, that explains a lot. Makes a little more sense since I repeated concerned. that, That's, huh? Uh... Okay. From our hard to believe file, the Tribeca Dog Park in New York, it's an area of New York City, was literally stolen, pirated, hijacked, whatever you want to call it. 10 years ago, by some residents who put a lock on the gate of the dog park, and then they began charging fees, banning non-members and their dogs, and enforcing, they had a list of 22 rules, and they said they ruled this with an iron fist. But the thing is, the city never noticed that this happened. (laughs) Jeez. Isn't that amazing? The people who pirated this dog park, their group, They installed a keypad lock on the gate. Then they sent the members a secret four-digit passcode after they paid their $120 yearly fee. (laughs) And then they changed the code every few months. And then they would email the new code. But now the Parks Department is trying to reclaim that dog park for the public for which it was intended. But the members-only group who stole it says the city was neglectful and forced their hand, and that group says it is going to fight the city all the way. How can they keep a dog park? I I think we should go out right now and... We could, um, like, take a part of the 405. Yeah, there you go. Or <laughs> put up a gate there. You can't pass right. down the 405. And yeah, unless you, pay, unless a you toll. pay a toll. That's so weird. That's so bizarre. Does the city have control of it yet? Not yet. Okay. Because they're like renegades. They are truly fighting to keep this dog park. They think that the city did a terrible job. They want to keep it as their own. It's almost like militant. But I'll keep you posted. Now, this guy does not sound like he's one of us guys. He's not a pet lover. A 58-year-old man in Florida has been arrested after he shot at, didn't put the bullet through him, he shot at his roommate because he was angry about cat hair being on their couch. The roommate luckily called police and told them that the cat hair-hating guy fired the gun towards him and said, the next time it's going to be you. So Mr. Cat Hair Hater is now being held without bond and is facing charges of shooting into a dwelling, aggravated battery, and aggravated assault. And he deserves it, doesn't he? Guy would hate my house. (laughs) Yeah, but they don't sound like very good roommates. They shouldn't be rooming together. I was thinking about Joey and all of his pet hair on the shirt. The guy would freak. Don't go there, okay? Mm, Yeah. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime you need it. It's always there at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android found us it's animal radio 
Toll free one eight six six four zero five eight four zero five to talk to Doctor Debbie or Dog Father Joey Vellani, and we'll go back to the phones and do that in just a couple of seconds. But first, we're going to visit with Steve Cusisto. Hi, Steve. How are you doing? Hello, I'm great. How are you guys? Very good. So let's tell listeners a little bit about your background. You were born legally blind, is that correct? Correct. So could you see anything? Shadows? Lights? Anything? Uh, If I put my nose on something, I can see what it is with one eye. And that was in the 50s? Correct. So it was it was probably treated a little differently. Did you... uh, I understand that you, you didn't want people to know that you were blind. Well, my mother uh, really felt that if people really fully understood how blind I was, I would have no place in society. Oh, that was wow. her. That was her. That was her rural, New England, uninformed mode of thinking, and that pretty well colored the way she thought about disability. And so, it's not an unusual story. Uh, even today, there are people with disabilities who, uh, you know, don't get the kind of emotional support they need, and they grow up not embracing it. I understand that you actually, as a blind person, you rode a bike around? Yeah, I've, I, I rode a bike around, and then later I rode a motorbike. <gasps> yes. Blind. And, you know, and, and the truth is, that's not an uncommon story. Lots of blind people have stories like that. <laughs> uh, so I, I don't want to make myself out to be like a really singular person for this. I mean, it's a, it's a fairly common story, actually. Okay, so how old were you before you got your, your first service dog? Uh, well, I didn't get quirky until I was 38. So for 38 years, you tried to pass off as being a sighted person. Yes, although not very successfully. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then I decide, right, in my, in my 30s, wow, you know what? Not only am I learning how to walk with a white cane and be a blind guy in the world, but I like dogs a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so did the way your mother raised you, did it help you or hinder you, do you think, in the long run? Oh, it did both. Uh, It made me incredibly adventurous, uh, a thing I still am. And so, you know, willing to do daredevil things. uh, Certainly, you know, uh, I'm not uh, I'm not a worrier about being in the world. That may have aided me when I trained with a guide dog, because, of course, you know, one of the things that you do is learn how to work the dog in urban environments. And I was in New York City with my first dog, Corky, who was mentioned in the book. And I'm plunging through New York traffic and having a hell of a good time uh, learning to trust her and discovering that I can go any place I want. So that's the upside of it. The downside of, of that kind of denial is that it takes you a long time to just decide, hey, I'm okay this way. Well, and that's not an unusual story either, right? Lots of people, whether they're gay or they're, you know, they, they grew up with alcoholics or whatever it is, it takes them a while to finally figure out, wow, I'm good. But, you know, we're all about animals here because it's animal radio, right, Steve? And I loved when you said, and hey, I discovered I really like dogs. What did you really love at first about guide dogs? And what do you love even more now? Well, you know, I grew up in a family. We always had golden retrievers and they were wonderful dogs and great companions and fun to have around. And They'd lift your spirits no matter the day, and, you know, they were playful and just loyal, terrific companions. So certainly I'd grown up knowing that dogs were just absolutely fabulous creatures. But uh, one day I almost got run over in Ithaca, New York, where I was then living, a college town. I was using a white cane to navigate, which is uh, one way that the blind can navigate. But the thing about the cane is it can't warn you 
if you step into the street and you haven't heard the traffic correctly, right? And so I was almost struck by a Chevrolet, and I'm sitting on the sidewalk with a stranger who helped me, and I'm tasting my heart in my mouth, and it dawns on me that I had read somewhere that guide dogs are trained in this remarkable thing called intelligent disobedience, that they will not let you step into harm's way. And that's, of course, because dogs are smart. And, you know, guide dogs are the dogs that are selected, not because they're obedient, but because they can think for themselves, right? They're independent. And I just thought, holy cow, you know what? It's like the light bulb moment where the Elmer Fudd light bulb goes off over his head, right? You know, in the cartoon, I just suddenly realized, oh, yeah, a guide dog. (laughs) we got to take a quick break. We are with Stephen Cusisto. We're going to talk about what it's like to train with a dog and his book coming up next. Stick around. Orangutans. They're beautiful, playful, and majestic, and disappearing. Every day, as many as 20 orangutans vanish. They starve to death when their homes are destroyed or are killed when they stray into villages in search of food. International Animal Rescue is fighting for the survival of the critically endangered orangutan, but we can't do it without you. Please visit internationalanimalrescue.org and help us save orangutans before it's too late. That's internationalanimalrescue.org. I am the family dog, and it's that time of year again. The one where pet parents start looking for Fido-friendly hotels and destinations where Fido is welcome. Make no bones about it. Pets are part of the family, and we like to sniff out new places too. And we hate to be turned away, especially when we're on our best behavior. So we won't be left out in the cold. Be sure to pick up a copy of Fido-friendly magazine to find the best hotels and destinations where Fido is always welcome. Go online to FidoFriendly.com and subscribe today. Nature at its best is nature at its simplest. At Red Barn, we've kept it simple for 20 years by concentrating on single-ingredient natural dog treats. Because Mother Nature's actually pretty good at this. Bones are just tasty bones. Meat treats are just nourishing meat. It's nature at its simplest. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Natural Treats. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our slow-roasted, natural, meaty bones. Oh, what did he say? He said, we're all across the USA, the most listened to pet show today. Animal Radio, we're everywhere you go. Animal Radio. Animal Radio. It's Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets and our guide dogs. And we're with Stephen Casisto, blind since birth, but has made great friends with several guide dogs. What's it like training with a guide dog? You know, when you're actually training with the dog, you very quickly come to realize that this is an exceptionally smart animal and that it has your back. It has your best interests in mind. And, of course, your job is to also have her best interests in mind, and you become a six-legged creature. You really do. You become a a really deeply bonded team. Tell us about Corky. Well, Corky lived to be 13. She was my first guide dog. She came from Guiding Eyes for the Blind, which is one of a dozen great guide dog schools in the U.S. She was a very large yellow Labrador, I'd say, for a female Labrador, really big. I'd say she was 85 pounds. She was extremely fast. Uh, Part of the joke was that they couldn't find somebody fast enough to give her to. They'd had her a little while at the guide dog school, 
And I am fast, and I came along, and they just took one look at me and went, Eureka, we have found Corky's match. And to this day, I'm still that way. I'm very speedy. I run. And uh, so my current guide dog, who is my fourth, also from the same school, also a yellow Labrador, her name is Caitlin. She is also extremely fast. They've all been speedy. And my sighted friends can't keep up with me. Uh, they're like, okay, we'll see you in the next block, you know. So you've had four. Did they live their life with you or, or what? Oh, yeah. Seems like yeah, four yeah. is a uh, lot. When they return, well, when they retire, typically they work seven, roughly seven years on average, okay. right? They're two when you get them and they work until they're like, say, nine. Oh. And, uh, you know, I, I did have a third guide dog, uh, sorry, a second guide dog named Vidal who worked till he was 10. But typically they retire. They slow down a little bit, right, just like the rest of us. Okay. Dog years, they're, you know, they're a little older. And in my case, I kept all of them as family pets and got a new guide dog. And that, you know, is pretty customary. If you're a blind person who doesn't have the kind of family dynamic and home where you can do that, you can return the dog and the guide dog school will find a home for it. Or you can give it to a family friend or, you know, neighbor or what have you. But absolutely, I've kept all of mine and because, after all, they're part of the family. Sure. Absolutely. Well, let's get to the book now. Have Dog, Will Travel, A Poet's Journey. What is that about? Um, well, you know, I joked with Simon and Schuster, who published it. I said at one point, it's really um, Zen and the art of guide dog travel. You know, like that old Robert Piercick book from the 60s, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. I mean, it's it's not about motorcycles, and in a way, it's about guide dogs, but it's also about learning to love your life, learning to admire and appreciate the wisdom of dogs, learning to di- discovering that you can go anywhere you want, anytime you want with a guide dog. There's a section in the book where after I get Corky, I go to New York City with her just on a lark, right, on a whim, And we spend three days just going everywhere in New York just because we can. You know, I go to a Mets game. I go to Coney Island. You know, I go to a jazz club, right? And I write about uh, how formerly in my life I hadn't felt that I had that kind of uh, independence and freedom. And so pretty quickly I discover, right, with Corky that she's making me a bigger, more open, more flexible, more curious, and more secure person. And so in a way, the book becomes about uh, developing a, a kind of spiritual life, a more trusting, outgoing, and even lovely life. And so uh, it's really, that's why it's called A Poet's Journey, uh, not just because I began my writing career as a poet, but because it's a poet's eye on what makes a dog a thrilling and wonderful companion, really for anybody, right? This is not a book just about disability. It's for anybody who loves dogs. I think you're a little modest, Steve, because I I only had time to read a couple of pages since I I just got the book last night. But you describing what it's like to maneuver traffic and people in a congested city and cars and crossing streets. It was I I told a friend of mine that it was like an e-ticket ride after I had just read two pages. It was amazing. Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah. Thank you for saying that, because that's what I was trying to accomplish, that you're the opening, right? I, I I say, what's it like? And then I take people through a tour of Naples, or, or I'm sorry, Milan, Italy at night, attached to Corky. And uh, that's what I was trying to accomplish is like, here's a virtual experience. I just, I would have never expected that, you know. And so I was so excited to hear that we were interviewing you today because that it was just riveting. I would have never known that there were 8 million things that you could teach another human about feeling what guide dogs do it was just 
It was a big emotional ride. I loved it. Really. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That means a lot. I'd love to share this book with you. Right now, I have 10 copies to give out to lucky listeners. If you're not lucky enough to get on through, head on over to Amazon or your bookstore and ask for Have Dog Will Travel, A Poet's Journey. Steve Cusisto joining us and the author of that. Of course, we'll put links to everything you've heard on today's show over at AnimalRadio.com. Thank you, Steve, for telling us your story. It's so heartwarming. Hey, listen, I, you, you just need to know, I am already a listener to Animal Radio, so this is a thrill Woo-hoo. for me. Oh, great. <laughs> I don't know about you, I had a lot of fun today, and I learned a lot about therapy animals and service yes. animals. And Dr. Debbie's goldfish thing. She is incredible, <laughs> i The fish you. fairy. <laughs> we bow to the fish fairy. Hey, if you need your fix during the week, visit us over at animalradio.pet or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. And we'll see you next week for more Animal Radio right here. Have a good one. Bye. Bye-bye. Oh, come on. Say it in fish. (laughs) You are good, Dr. Debbie. This is Animal Radio Network.